Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. Now let me tell you something. What God is doing in your life, he's doing it for only one reason. And this is going to help you. He's not doing it because you've been so good. He's not doing it because your quiet time is now longer. No. He's doing it because he wants to glorify his son in your life. And when he sees you, he sees perfection. He sees the son and he is at work. Now I want to give you 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Say, Father for my life I want to say thank you for your son I want to say thank you for the breath that I have I want to say thank you for the fact that I walked into this place unassisted I want to say thank you for the food I am able to eat I want to say thank you 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 thank you Jesus thank Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the presence of the Lord is in this place. We welcome you. We acknowledge you in this place. We say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise and honor to your name. He is here. He is here to save. He is here to heal. He is here to set free. He is here to deliver. Father, have your way in our midst this morning. Our hearts are open and ready to receive your word. Do it your way. Not the way we desire, not the way we've imagined, but your own way. And take all your glory. Praise and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we're praying. Come on, make some noise. Make some noise. Make some noise. Woo! Hallelujah. Please be seated in God's presence. Woo! Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, there are sometimes during the worship, the Lord was just speaking to me and said that, tell my people to, to want me more for themselves. Now, I'm going to explain what that means. We live in a generation where people desire for others to have an experience of what they are experiencing at the moment, rather than for them to dwell in that moment. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Now, if we had... Ty Tribert on stage. How many of us were blessed by the worship this morning? I was thoroughly blessed. I don't know about you. But I pray that the anointing upon the praise team will be increased in Jesus' name. Alright, let's say we had Ty Tribert on stage or let's say Pastor Matthew was in town visiting and he was on this pulpit ministering. For a lot of us, the normal inkling for us is for us to do a Facebook live or for us to do an Instagram live or Periscope. And now listen to me, I'm not one of those that cake people that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Did you hear that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the reason oftentimes you are doing that is because you desire for others to have a taste of that experience. Right? But the word to you this morning is you yourself dwell and experience it. If you can experience it and share it, fine. If it's going to distract you from your own experience, not fine. If your plan is to capture that moment and repeatedly reproduce it, so that you can re-experience it fine. Hello? Are we still together? Many times as a young child in church, someone is needing prayer, and I'll see people, they'll bring out their notes, and they'll be writing the prayer point. Father, in the name of Jesus. They're writing, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I'm wondering, pray. Why are you writing the prayer? Pray the prayer. Hello? But many times they feel, oh, maybe in my, in my quiet time, I need prayers to pray. But the time people are praying and getting their miracles, they're using it to write. Put on your recorder if you must. Buy the tape. Listen online. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. So I just had to put that out there. Now, something significant, something cardinal happened in the history of this church last week Sunday. Hello? Some people are like, hey, was I here? Was I not here last week? What's pastor talking about? Now, God did what? How do I explain this? He did. Okay, let me put it this way. There are some there are some sermons I preach that I look forward to hearing them online. I look forward to going back to listen to them. And I just contact the media. Okay, where is the message? And before we know it, the message is gone. Uh, maybe the file gets... Some people are like, are you, is last week's Sunday the message gone? <laughs> yes, that's actually where I'm going to. So, for a lot of those messages, some of them are really painful. I can remember one. Like if you go if you go to the website, you see some messages. You see part one, then you see part three. You see so you see. I don't know if some of you have paid attention to that. And then I'm sure people will be like, "What happened to part two? Or all right. So I'm telling you what happened to part two now. All right. Some just happened right now. All right. So some of them are very painful. But last week's message. I was about to feel, oh, God, we needed this all over again. And God said, what I did, I have done. And I did it for you. That was very encouraging. Now, I was telling my wife, I said, many, many times people need to see the theatrics for their faith to be strengthened. And many times God does that. I mean, God has no issues with theatrics. See, God loves to show. Did you hear that? He loves to show himself. All right? But last week, I prayed, God, please, as I lay hands on people, I don't want anybody to fall down. It was a, it was a prayer point. My wife said, what kind of prayer would you pray that kind of prayer? I said, because at 11, we need to pack. <laughs> Imagine someone is slain under the anointing, and you know, we won't leave you here. All right? So by the time we have a permanent site, a place we call ourselves, see, you will be slain. You will be slain for days, and you will be there. Glory to God. But God is able to meet us where we are and to do his work notwithstanding. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, there has never been a time in the history of the church where believers need to know the word of God for themselves. Never in the history of the church. We live in a time and an age where our belief and the core of Christianity is under severe attack. Did you hear that? Everything you believe is going to be attacked. Somebody you love, somebody you trust is going to wake up one day and say faith is rubbish. Somebody you trust, somebody you love is going to wake up one day and say grace is useless. Somebody you trust, somebody you love is going to say that the power is over. Praise God. I think the kids are sending a message to us that they need their own church. That's what they are saying. And we need to see, we need to interpret situations rightly. All right? That's what they are saying. Get us our place. And God is going to get them their place in Jesus' name. Jesus Christ said, their angels do not take leave. How many of you watch children sometimes? If I trip now, I don't know, maybe our angels grow with us so old, we become so familiar. But with the kids, you are just so short, just like a micrometer to eat their head on something, then they don't. It's not coincidence. The angels on guard, on duty, they just move the team. Boom, boom. So I told my wife, this child, I don't worry a bit about her. I don't know if I should say this. There was one night when our daughter was still very young. Very, very young. I think she was about two or three months. Grandma had traveled back. It was just me, my wife, and baby, and a lot of sleepless nights. All right? And there was one night she woke up. She was a very light sleeper. So I got up. I peeped into the bassinet. I saw her. And then I was like, okay, let me quickly use the washroom. I'll come back, carry her, and then go. While she was crying... She stopped crying for a moment, and she had this funny look. She just had this funny look. And then I saw the funny look. I was about to get scared. I just said, see, see, in this room alone, there are like 50 angels for this child. I'll not be scared. So I went to the washroom. By the time I got back, my wife was awake. She was, was like, oh, baby, look at that. Look at that. Should we call this? Should we do this, do this? I said, we are going back to sleep. We are not calling any night. Calling what? We are not taking that anywhere. She looked, because we are both doctors, we knew what it looked like. In that moment, I turned off all my medical knowledge. I said, there is nothing wrong with this child. Nothing wrong. We've not had since she was born all the days of our, li of our life. 
It's just checkups you'll be going for. Praise God. And that's going to be the testimony of all our kids in Jesus' name. Praise God. So back to what we were talking about. It is time for believers to stand up and know what they truly believe. Did you hear that? Now, at the end of the day, the quality of your walk, the quality of your spiritual experience, the quality of your physical experience will not boil down to the power of the messages you listen to, but ultimately to what you choose to believe. You want me to say that again? It means fully well that on Monday you can listen to a message by Kenneth Hagin. On Tuesday you can listen to a message by Matthew Ashimolo. On Wednesday you can listen to a message by Benny In. On Thursday you can listen to a message by... The Lord bless you for that. I was actually putting myself on Friday because you know that's my company. You know, my people. Glory to God. You can listen to all of that and still choose to believe what you read on social media. So, the quality of your experience will not be all of that word you've listened to. It is the one you've chosen to believe. Are we still together? Are we still together? Let me tap your neighbor and say, what are you believing? What are you believing? Let me tell you how the system of the world works. The system of the world works by sponsoring narratives and pushing agendas. Did you hear that? I'll say that again. The system of the world works by sponsoring narratives and by pushing agendas. What that means is that everything we currently believe now are things we've been made to believe. Whether from the word of God or from other sources. And the devil is investing heavily now to ensure that the belief system of the world is being tweaked. Praise God. Let me leave it at that and go into the word God has given to us this morning. Let me just leave it at that. And what this means is that there are going to be a lot of things we are going to be talking about more in the, in the church than probably we've been doing in the past, especially on areas of gender and sexuality. We are going to be talking about that more in the church. Because a lot of believers don't even know where the stand of the word is. They are selling very nice sounding philosophies like inclusion, inclusion, love, pride. I was seeing a form recently and said, I saw L, yeah, I'm saying this, I know we're recording this, LGBTQ2S. How many of you know 2S? Or S? Yeah, that's it. Two spirits. All right. Amen. So for those of you that don't know what two spirits is, I've given you assignments today. All right. Because, I mean, the people we are reaching out to, they, you might just be ministering to someone who has two spirits. The Holy Spirit might just tell you, two spirits, rebuke him and her. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! See, let me, see, we are going to enjoy ministering this time. Do you know that's the advantage of, of all of this rubbish happening in the world? We will now enjoy ministry more. We will enjoy casting out demons more. Glory to God. We will enjoy taking the gospel to the ends of the earth more. You know why? The intensity of the darkness makes even little light seem great. All right? I am happy to live in this. See, I'm not one of those people who desire that they lived in the days of Moses and Elijah. Nah, what are you talking about? This is the best time to be alive. Glory to God. Glory to God. So last week we started talking about fresh fire and we saw that it was the desire of God to pour out his spirit afresh upon all of us, each and every one of us, men, women, boys, and girls. And this is a message to parents very quickly. Your child is not too young to be filled with the spirit of God. Did you hear that? Let me tell you, the nature of sin they inherit they inherited it, bam, ab initio. The devil doesn't wait for them to get to age 5, age 7, or age 16 before the nature of sin is imputed. Now, let me tell you this. For you parents, can you remember the first time your child lied to you? How did you... F- time is coming. <laughs> How did you feel? You feel like you failed as a parent. Like... Where did you learn that from? And the lie is so stupid and so obvious. Like, we all... (laughs) Or the first time your child steals something. 
like, did you take that? No. Did you? Tell me the truth. Jesus' children don't lie. No. I am wondering, where God, Father, why did I fail in my duties? Praise God. It's not that you failed in your duties. It is the nature on their inside that is manifesting itself. The devil doesn't wait for, for any age of encounter, nothing. It doesn't. In the same way, our children can be filled early with the spirit of God. Glory to God. So the Bible says he will pour out his spiritual... Hey! He's going to pour it out upon our flesh. Glory to God. The flesh just couldn't, couldn't wait. It made me say spirit. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. One of the fundamental things we talked about last week was having a day one mentality. And I shared a story about somebody whose life was radically changed just by an experience. I'm going to share that story again for the benefit of those of us who were not around last week. A company had organized a trip for the executives. And they are taking them to the Sahara Desert. They had a nice hotel, nice beachside pool. And one of the days of that arrangement was for them to actually drive on the Sahara. A very dangerous ride. You cover your eyes, cover your nose, and you do all of those. So some executives usually opt out. We are already having a nice time. Why am I going to drive in the desert? But those who had adrenaline rush, people with desire thrills like me. I mean, I, I, I want to do some crazy things, but you know, I'm married now and then. Have to get approval and permission for a lot of things, all right. So, like bungee jumping, I might just wave bye to that, and a couple of skydiving things I want to do, anyways. They were going on that trip, and then they met the guide, the guy who was going to drive them. And the guy in his Arabic accent said, Welcome to this ride, this is going to be an amazing ride for you. A lot of people are scared, they are this. I don't know how good I'm doing with my. Be well, thank you. All right, you're going to enjoy this ride. You know, just come along. I'm going to, and then people that were scared became excited. Oh, we're going to enjoy this. And as they were going, he was giving them historical facts in the year 16, this in the year 15, this this person did this, this person did that. And they went on the ride, returned from the ride, and it was the most memorable day so far of their stay in that particular retreat. A lot of the guys were just like, man, this tour guide is excellent. The guy was amazing. He made something very tough and difficult appear very easy and enjoyable for us. So some of the guys reached out to him. They said, oh, ah, we love the way you do your work. Keep it up. And the guy told them, guess why I'm this excited? They said, why? He said, because today is my first day at work. Oh, they were like, wow, but you did so well for someone who today is his first day at work. He said, thank you. So they went back to the hotel room and then, you know, executives and companies, they they will usually do reviews. They sent out a couple of forms. They were asking the guys, what was your best part of this experience and why? And all of them feel the same thing. The desert rides, the desert rides, the desert rides, the desert rides. And, and then, we're, oh, desert rides. They say, yes. Sir. The guy that drove us, extremely exceptional. He made the experience memorable and we think it's one you should hold on to. And then they, they said, oh, interesting. He said, today, he said today, well, he said that day, sorry, that they went on the ride was his first day at work. And the owner of the resort smiled and smiled and laughed. And I said, what's funny? He said, that guy, he has been in this company for 12 years. He has been working here for 12 years. The guys were not going to have it. What do you mean, 12 years? He told us first day. So they went back to meet the guy. I said, your employer said you've been here for 12 years. You told us today is your first day. The guy said, this job I'm doing, very dangerous job. The only way I do it well is tell myself, today is my what? First day. For 12 good years, he told himself, every day he got to work is his first day. Imagine if we transferred the same attitude to our spiritual work with God. When you first believed. The week you got born again. The energy and the passion you had. Everybody just needed to hear the gospel. The days when we were proud about Jesus. When we wear a t-shirt that says Jesus. And we leave the button open. Not today that. To put it on is war. Then once it's on, then you cover it. When people ask you, are you a Christian? Do you know anything about Jesus? I say sometimes I don't understand those folks. No, it's very easy for us to point our hands to Peter. Say you, Peter, you worked with Jesus. You denied him. But a lot of us daily... 
are denying Jesus and resisting every opportunity to elevate and to promote him. We don't, our social media, we, we, de, we cannot even type, G, G, what? You want people to know me with those people? Which people are those people? It's you, you are those people. Let me just let you know. <laughs> Glory to God. But imagine if you studied your Bible as regularly as you did when you first believed. Imagine if you committed to praying like you did when you first believed. Imagine if you committed to evangelism. Like if, see, one of the things I noticed when people just really give their lives to Christ is something the Bible calls the joy of salvation. There is just this hope and this excitement and this consciousness of heaven that you have when you recently give your life to Christ, such that you become unannoyable. If I can borrow you, I don't know if that word exists. It means that people will deliberately do things in an attempt to get on your nerves, but there are just no nerves to get on. Hello? Are we still together? But we've grown and we've matured so much in the faith that the nerves have come back. And then you tell people, forget the fact that I'm a Christian. Let me tell you, I don't take nonsense. Praise God. Praise God. Never in your life desire to forget the fact that you're a Christian. Did you hear that? Never in your life wish and say, ah, if it was the old me, I would have shown that your body is busy vibrating. Have you seen people like that? They've been annoyed and you're looking some, someone down a good day. You'll have treated their... Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the pulpit. Hallelujah. People that you love, you, you, are just like, it's, it's just because of, yeah, it's because of Jesus. It is because of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. God has given me a word for us this morning, each and every one of us, and I believe that this word is also for me as much as it is for you. Now, two, quick question. Imagine two people. One person eats food, goes to a buffet, once in six months. Hello? Are we still together? When I say buffet, some people are smiling. I know some people that they've had like, let, let me not just say it. <laughs> had like a million buffets already this year. But God will continue to give us reasons to celebrate in Jesus' name. So imagine someone who goes to a buffet once in six months. All right? Person one, he doesn't, starves himself. Once in six months, goes to a buffet. Imagine somebody else who eats once a week. All right? Once a week. It's a very rich meal. Once a week. And then imagine someone who does just a tiny portion of food every day. Now, which of those three people do you think will be healthiest? Which of them? The one who enjoys a wonderful buffet every day, every once every six months? The one who eats just one good meal once a week, or the one who is able to take a small portion every day. Which of them do you think is the healthiest? Person three, right? All right, good. Now, do you know that the Bible makes it very clear to us in multiple occasions in Scripture, we are going to go through some of them, that the quality of our spiritual experience under God is designed to be refreshed and to be renewed every day. Hello? Did you hear that? What that means is that if my only spiritual nourishment is one powerful message on Sunday, one on Sunday, I mean, I'm better than none any day anyways. Do you understand? But see, there are levels to this, right? We're not looking at people we are better than. We're looking at where we should be. Hello, are we still together? So let's leave that at least. I still get to hear one nice message on Sunday. Let's leave that mentality. God's plan and desire for you is to give us our daily bread. How often? Daily. Somebody say daily. It means, and we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, the scripture we started last week, that the process of fanning into flames, the fire that God sets in us, is what we are supposed to do our often? Daily, not weekly. Not one powerful conference. Not one quarterly Holy Ghost meeting. Hello, are we still together? God's desire is for the quality of your spiritual nourishment to be what? Daily. Now, what does this mean? Two things. It means that no matter how excellent a previous spiritual experience was, was it means that it is now in the past. 
Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Because many times as believers, we have a tendency to brag in how great we were. Oh, I remember when I prayed for seven hours. Do you know the only lesson I should pick from that? It means that I can still do it. Capish. It doesn't mean that the seven hours prayer is still seven hours in in my today. No, it is not. Yes, I probably prayed into my future and I've settled things years down the line. Yes, we are not discounting that. Hello, are we still together? Oh, I fasted 21 days. Glory to God. What are you fasting today? Praise God. Let's open 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. I'm going to show you something. God showed me this. And for us. Woo! Glory to God. Let me tell you what God is doing this month with this word he gave to us. There is an army of solidly grounded and rooted believers that God is raising. And what God has told me is that he's going to deploy the armies. Now, when God tells that to a pastor of a young church, it scares you because you are still gathering the people, right? But when God says he's going to deploy them, it means he's going to send them out. And he's preparing my mind for that already. Glory to God. Are we there? I'm almost there. Sorry, those of us who swipe and swish. Some of us still flip the pages of our Bibles. It doesn't make me more anointed than you. Don't be deceived, though. As far as they are not secretly checking notifications, they are fine. All right. Glory to God. Someone is like, hey, pastor just caught me there. All right. First, I said Second Timothy. Chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse, let me read 6 and 7. It says, "For I'm reading from the NIV. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gifts of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It says in verse 7, now listen to this. It says that for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Somebody say timid. I mean, all of us know the scripture in the King James. God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Now, let me read it in the NIV, and I'm going to read it to us in the original Greek. And I'll bring out some truths very quickly. It says that for this reason, sorry, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. It gives us love, and it gives us self-discipline. Somebody say self-discipline. Now, this means very, very instructively that the process of fanning to flame is going to be powered and sustained by power, by love, and by self-discipline. Are we still together? Now, the King James interpretation of sound mind takes only one aspect of sound self-discipline, which is sound judgment. Hello? Are we still together? So when you read that scripture, for a lot of us who grew up in the King James study period where we went forth and doest thou and camest forth, you know the, exactly, you, you know what I'm talking about? We read that scripture thinking of a sound mind. And it is true that what God has given you is a sound mind. But in the original rendering of the text, the word there is a word that implies discipline. Somebody say discipline. Now, it means that the process by which you fan to flame and you keep this daily commitment to spiritual nourishment, it is going to require discipline. Now, let me tell you the words that were used there. It says God has not given us a spirit of fear. The word fear there in the original Greek means cowardice. Somebody say cowardice. Do you know what it means to be a coward? Not to be, do, you know, do you know what it means to be a coward? That is not the spirit you have. You are not a coward. You are not a spiritual coward. Do you know what it means to be a spiritual coward? You brag, brag, brag. Then the situation shows up. Then you fall. Oh, I am this. I am rich. I am blessed. I am that. I am this. I am above only. I am not the And one little rat just shows up and says something to kill your faith. And it actually does kill your faith. That's spiritual cowardice. Hello? Someone like, Pastor, you need to be a bit nicer and understand our feelings better because that pain in my body, I actually feel it. 
I know God has healed me, but I feel that pain. And anytime that voice tells me that this pain is not going to go, is that also spiritual cowardice? Or anytime I believe God for provision, I believe that I'm rich, I believe that my needs are met, I'm quoting scriptures like Philippians 4.19, I'm quoting scriptures like 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, quoting scriptures like 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, you know, all these wonderful scriptures, quoting scriptures like 3 John 1-2, and I'm just putting them into work, but the situation still reminds me that those bills are not paid, that my credit score is still red, and that in a matter of minutes, I might literally have nothing to call my own. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of cowardice. It means that the confidence we get from God's word will stand tall in the face of any opposition. Did you hear that? No matter how real the opposition is, we will stand on what God's word says. It's difficult. Difficult. And because Paul knew it was difficult, he said, God has not given you that spirit of cowardice. He's not giving you that spirit of fear, but he's giving you power. Somebody say power. power. There's a teaching we have on, online, um, for those who were not there, where we talked about all of the words the Bible uses for power. And I'd love to do a quick quiz and maybe give out some gifts, but I didn't plan this. All right, so people have been listening. Okay, tell me the, some of the words we talked about. Uh, what gift will I give you? Mm, something I can give you today. Spiritual gifts. <laughs> God, he has already blessed us with just spiritual gifts in every places. Yeah, but there's additional impartation that can come. If that's what you want, it's fine. And if you wanted like a gift, gift also. That's also possible. Anybody? We talked about dunamis, yes? Which other one? Anybody remembers? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, power. All right, so I'm going to refer everybody back to that message. We talked about, shall I say it? At least, so, okay, yes. She remembers that, oh, I, I feel like going back to that verse, but I'm going to resist the temptation to, and we will stay where we are. Praise God. Now, the power that is talked about here, he says that God has given us dunamis. The word love, there, how many of us know that there were different words interpreted love in the Bible? The word love here is agape, not the other loves. And we all know what agape means, the God kind of love. The love that is not conditional, the reckless kind of love. The love that doesn't make sense. Hello? Praise God. Praise God. You know there is a strong similarity between stupid love and reckless love. Hello? Let me just leave that and go straight to where God wants us to be. Stupid love looks like reckless love sometimes because you can't praise God. Ah, we're, we're going to be doing some relationship seminars very soon, talking about single and married people. And stupid love is in spite of the evidence that you are dangerous for me, I will still love you. Unconditional love is, I already know that you can't be perfect, so I love you. Did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get that? Reckless? Unconditional love is reckless. It's the God kind of love. It's the kind of love that you are, you are, you are, you are destroying yourself. And the love is still loving you even deeper. Now, let me tell you, unconditional love is not understandable by normal human nature. Did you hear that? We still don't get it. Hello? We still don't get it. And that's why our tendency for hypocrisy is very high. Let me, do, do you know what God has forgiven you of? Do you have any idea? Do you know how terrible of a person you were? Do you know, do you want me to tell you that you don't know me? I know you. Praise God. But he still loves us and he still uses us. That's his unconditional love. One of the characteristics of unconditional love is you cannot improve it. Some of us believe that, oh, I, I was a good boy this week. I was a good girl this week. That, that 
breakthrough came because I was good. That's, we are still locked up in that thinking and God is trying to get us out of that thinking. I am doing what I am doing in your life because of the righteousness of my son. Praise God. So he says that God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's where we're coming to. Somebody say self-discipline. Self-discipline. Now, have you noticed that we will prioritize, we will schedule, we will use reminders, we will use calendars for every other area of our lives apart from our spiritual lives. We set alarms to wake. In fact, I, there was an advert I was listening to on the radio. And the description of the weekend, the definition of weekend is that day of the week when you don't set alarm. That is the definition of weekend. On Monday, you know you have to be awake. Tuesday, you have to be awake. Wednesday, you have to be awake. Thursday, awake. For those who work weekends, they're like, I don't know that definition. (laughs) Glory to God. How many of you have Bible study on your calendar? Let me show you something very quickly. Let's go to Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you something very quickly here. So that you will understand how giants become giants. Praise God. Are you being blessed so far? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. It feels like I've been talking for five minutes. Where did the time go to? 1 Corinthians 9, 24. I need to wrap up what God has for us today. Because next week, Sunday, we are wrapping up Fresh Fire as a series. The Sunday after that is Life Class. And God has a powerful word for us next Sunday and the Sunday after. Please invite your friends. uh, Bring them here if you love them. Um, If they can't come, beg and plead. Say, please listen to the sermons and try to be blessed also. Praise God. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. It says that, do you know that in a race, all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. It says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Did you hear that? Help me tap your neighbor. Say, run in such a way. Now, our spiritual life is not to be dealt with with laxity. A lot of us have relegated every spiritual exercise to a level of unimportance. When it's time to study our Bible, when it's time to pray, we don't use alarm clocks. Now, let me tell you, You have not started until you exhibit more seriousness in spiritual things than in physical things. Did you hear that? And you set the standards for yourself. What that means is that if you have an exam coming and you need to literally dip your feet in water to stay awake, then until you start dipping your feet in water to study God's word, then you are not yet hungry. Hello? You take coffee... Some people are like, ha, ha, is this it? Go, go, kill us. All right. You, you, oh, you understand that? Oh, it's a trick we used to do back in the day. So, it, 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 it actually works. It just keeps you awake. You know, when you can't afford coffee, you, you have to afford something else. All right. But these days, you can afford coffee. Glory to God. Glory to God. You... Are we, getting, are we getting what we're talking about today? Somebody say discipline. Discipline to spiritual exercise. Athletic commitment. Have you seen athletes before? Have you seen them before? Do you have athletes as friends? You go to eat out. You're ordering all sorts. They're just chilled there. They know the foods they can't eat. Triple, triple burger. Extra large pizza. I wanted to say Oreo McFlurry. You know, our bassist was really obsessed with that. Is it not one now? Glory to God. We normal mortals eat any athletes don't do that. They are gulping pop anyway. They are taking water. Their clock has wake up 4 a.m. to go and jog. And then it's just for a nine-second race. And then woo, you are shouting, you are shouting as if it's an anointing. See, that's the problem with us and with our culture. Praise God. You go to a football match, you are praying one million times. Father, give us the victory. Which give us the victory? Your opponent has been rehearsing for years, building muscle. You are saying, give us the victory. 
Oh, God. This is it right here. Athletic discipline. Spiritual discipline. I will stop. I know my body is weak. My body is tired. But I will get up nonetheless. Did you hear that? Not I will pray tomorrow. No. I will do it today. It says they run for a prize that is temporal. They run for a prize that will disappear. In fact, they know that by next year, in a few years' time, they've retired and they're out of the game. But we know we are running for something we can lay hold of. Something that is eternal. Something that is permanent. Glory to God. Glory to God. It says everyone, I'm I'm on verse 25 now. It says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Is that your Bible? Strict training. Praise God. One of the things I've told God, I said, Father, in this church, you are going to help us. I do not want to, to put strict rules on anybody. I want your spirit to teach them discipline. That is when it works. If I say, all of you this morning, you must fast. If you are hungry, you will, you will eat. Do you understand? And I will not come and guilt you that the reason why the worship wasn't powerful was because somebody had on the way to... No, that's not why. Glory to God. But there is a way the Spirit of God can tell you, don't eat this morning. That one you won't obey. You won't disobey, sorry. Not, not because you are disobeying me because you don't honor me, but you know I will understand. You know, if I tell pastor I was there, we understand. All right? But you know that the Spirit of God already telling you I supply the strength to do it. I can't supply the strength to you to do anything. I can encourage you, can teach you, can pray for you. The, uh, see, when push comes to shove, 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, it is you, your God, and the devil. You can put me on conference call anyways. Glory to God. It says that they're going to strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Glory to God. The question is, what are we doing? Are we doing it? Are we under strict training? Are you still fasting? Are you still studying the word of God? I'm not talking about reading a verse and reading a devotional. Are you taking time to, to check? What does the word really say on this topic? Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! I need to move fast. I really, really need, really, really need to move fast. Now, three things that the fire makes us do. Three things, and then we'll wrap it up for today because of our time. Three things that the fire makes us do. If you are not doing these three things, one of two things, either the fire hasn't come, or you are deliberately being an hindrance to the move of the spirit on your inside. Three things, three things always happen whenever the fire comes upon you. Three things always happen. And those things happen irrespective of how you feel. Those things happen irrespective of how your situation is. Hello? Can you remember the scripture we read last week? I think it was Jeremiah chapter 10. Is it Jeremiah chapter 10? Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Let's read it very quickly and then I'll go to those three things. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. Woo! Now this, I I think I, I encourage us to read Jeremiah chapter 20 last week. Here, Jeremiah was literally annoyed with God. My Bible titles it Jeremiah's Complaint. Jeremiah chapter 20. Let me read from verse 9. Jeremiah speaking. Now, he was essentially vexing with God. Let me read it from verse 7. Jeremiah talking to God. Verse 7. It says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. Is that your Bible? How many of you have ever felt betrayed by God before? You let me down. Now, some people say, oh God, we can't question you. It's not scriptural. Did you hear that? Hello? If you can ask your father questions, what kind of father is that? That's not a father. That's a bully. That's not a daddy. He's just there. And you can't ask him, Jack. It's one of two things. Either a bully or he's dead. He's not alive. He's just a statue. Glory to God. 
So when things don't make sense, you can go back to God and say, God, you know what? I don't get this. He's your daddy. Glory to God. You deceived me, Lord, and I was, I, I understand. Let me just balance that also. I understand what people say when they say you can't question God. In, sometimes they say that we respect to God's sovereignty, that he does things and we can't, what they mean is we can't question his authority, not that we can't ask him questions. Hello? So I just felt it was important to give clarification to that. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Praise God. Now, this is, this is, this is, this is where the devil wants the 21st century church to be. In a place of daily ridicule. Where people see you, they hear you are a Christian, and their first emotional response is to laugh at you and just pity your stupidity. Say, you believe those stupid things? You believe that stupid book? You believe in religion? You mean you, you actually believe all of those things? That's where they want us to be. And then it's, it's actually getting to some people now. I had a friend who, back in the days, he confessed as a Christian. By the time we were graduating from school, he gave himself, he said he's now um, free thinker. He said, I'm not a free thinker. What that means is my mind is now open to anything. It's now vacant. So I believe all things. Hello? Are we still together? That's where the devil wants the church to move to. To move to a place where we will question everything we've ever believed. And we will stop believing them. Glory to God. Let's go to where we're going to. Verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word in my heart is like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It means fully well that there are times when, because I'm going to these three things, you may not feel like, but you will discover that you just can't help it. Are we still together? Hello? That's when you know that there's fire burning on your inside. I don't feel like preaching today, but I can't help it. I don't feel like praying today, but I can't help it. I don't feel like studying my Bible today, but I just can't help it. There is something burning on my inside, and I can't keep it there. Praise God. Three things that happen when the fire falls, falls on us. Or three things that the fire makes us do. Number one, it makes us to speak. Somebody say speak. You cannot be filled with the Spirit of God and be quiet. Now, let me tell you, there are always voices speaking around you. The authority of a voice is not directly proportional to its volume. Did you hear that? Sometimes people think that if you are loud, it means you are the correct one. In my experience, it's the other way around. People with weak arguments often raise their voices to strengthen the arguments. Instead of strengthening the arguments and lowering their voices. Do you get it? Hello, are we still together? So there are many loud voices in the world today, but the voice of the word of God is sure. It might not be loud, but it is sure. Do you hear that? Now there is an invasion on the institution of marriage today. The church of God is going, in fact, they might almost legislate it that every church should now begin to, to do homosexual marriages. I am preparing for that reality. It might happen in the church. Hello? It is a voice. It is loud. But we will speak. We will speak a counter message. Glory to God. Glory to God. Sometimes you hear a powerful message on Sunday. You are filled with faith. You go out believing God. You're trusting God. And you just receive a phone call from someone who is supposed to be a Christian. Somebody who is supposed to strengthen your faith. But all they do is just water down all of your expectations. You are meant to speak. Hello? Hello? Now, let me tell you how words work. Words are so powerful. Some people say talk is cheap. Praise God. Are we still together? Are we still here? Words are extremely powerful. And the Spirit of God makes us speak. The reason why the Spirit of God makes us speak is because with our words, we are constantly creating things. Now let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that you call things that what? That be not as though they what? They were. 
That is our speaking. Hello? Are we still together? The Bible doesn't say you call things that be as though they are not. Are we, are we, are we getting this? In what example of things that be? That's the reality, right? You're broke. Reality, right? Not you. I mean, someone else. All right? Seek. Reality, right? So the Bible doesn't teach us to say or to deny the reality. That is calling things that be as though they are not. No. It says the things that are not, you call them as though they were. So you say, I am what? Rich. Do you understand how it works? I am healed. I am not denying the fact that the symptoms are there. But I am speaking into existence what is not as though it, is, as though it were. And that is what we will always do. Speaking what is obvious is low-level living. Everybody can see it. Did you hear that? It's easy to point out problems. It's very cheap. You don't need intelligence. You don't need an IQ to be able to list the five top problems in the world. You don't need IQ. It's preferring solutions that is higher level. So we'll call what it is supposed to be. And we'll speak to it and walk towards it until it is. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 2, very quickly, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says that they were gathered together in a room and cloven tongues as a fire appeared on them and they began to speak as with other tongues. So we can't be quiet, especially when the voices around us are counter voices. When the voice of the enemy comes and he's saying things like, oh, you're going to die, you're going to have an accident, things are not going to work out, that interview is not going to go well, you're not going to get that job, your child is going to turn out to be, to be stupid, the grades are going to be poor, they won't do this, they won't do that, you're not going to this, your wife is going to leave you, your husband is going to disappear. All sorts of useless lies from the pit of hell. Our duty is to what? Speak! You don't fold your hands and look and, and let the devil win. No. We will speak a counter voice and then we will speak the word. Glory to God. Glory to God. And sometimes you need to stop listening to some things also. To stop reading some things. You need to, if your mind is not strong enough to speak above it, don't hear it in the first place. Glory to God. It might be from the pulpit. Hello? Did you hear that? It might be from the pulpit. I don't know if my wife will give me permission to say this. I've sent a request for approval. Approval giving. Approval giving. There was a particular night. <laughs> Glory to God. Particular night. I mean, we're believing God going through a tough path. But we're, faith was strong. Both sides. My faith strong. and faith strong. And then she just woke me up in the middle of the night. and was deeply worried and concerned. And I said, babe, what happened to your faith? The only thing that changed is she had listened to a message. A message. Isn't that what you should be doing when you're building faith? But the message watered down our faith. May that wake me up in the middle of the night. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Glory to God. But the issue is that I saw that she was genuinely worried. That was not a good message. So sometimes it's not just listening to message. It's the message building faith in you. Hello? Hello? You are allowed to stop listening. If you can't get up of the play, out of the place because of decorum, just tune off and begin to pray in the spirit. This is not the voice of faith. This is a depressing, discouraging message from the pit of hell. And you start speaking in tongues. If it's a message on YouTube, you close it. Play music. Play something else. There are a lot of enriched word of faith messages online. May the devil not lead you to the one that water down your faith in Jesus' name. But sometimes you don't even know. The title might be great. But when you start listening to it, let your antennas be up, like we prayed about this morning. You are spiritually sensitive. And you know that this is no more the voice of the Lord speaking. This is no more the Spirit of God. Something else has entered this message. And you tune out immediately. Sometimes it's someone you love and trust, someone that loves you. They are pumping doubt and unbelief into you in the name of love. Ah, you know I love you. Eh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why, and they are giving you devilish unscriptural suggestions of ways you can cut corners and bypass the system. He said, no, I'm a person of integrity. God has said he will prosper me in this land. I'll be patient. Glory to God. So the first thing that happens is that you speak. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 very quickly. I have to speed up now because of time. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. 
I'm sure a lot of us know it while we're opening. It says that let this word dwell in you, what? Richly, exhorting one another in songs, psalms. Are we there? And spiritual songs, Colossians 3, 16. I'm almost there in my Bible. I want to read it to us in the Amplified. Colossians 3, 16. It says, let the word spoken by Christ, the Messiah, have home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to God with his grace in your hearts. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's one more scripture I want to read to us and this one is very practical. It's going to make you more careful in your conversations. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Have you noticed that we've read a couple of 3 16s? There was a day I was just curious. I, I read 316s from Genesis to Revelation. And it was interesting. I want to encourage you to do it. Did you hear that? It's not a lot. It sounds scary. It's just 66 verses, right? There are 66 books. They are reading one verse. Genesis 316. There are some, it's not even 66. There are some books that don't have chapter 3. Do you understand? So just do it in your spare time and just have fun doing this. Netflix is not as interesting as the Bible. People are like, what shows are you watching? <laughs> Woo! Until your Bible is more interesting than your most interesting show. You are not reading it right. Yeah, I said it. All right. People are like, this pastor is not even serious. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, I said Matthew. Malachi 3.16. All right, are we there? Malachi 3.16, it says, um, let me read it first in the NIV. It says that then those who fear the Lord talked with each other. Somebody said talked with each other. Talked with. And the Lord what? And heard. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? It means that you are not necessarily praying only when you are talking to God. But when we are talking to each other. So that what we are telling each other our seriousness to it, our alertness from the scripture we read during the prayer is as though that I was saying this to God. Am I making sense to you? Hello? Are we still there? It says, then those who fear the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. What are you saying to each other? Glory to God. Glory to God. Speak words of life to each other. Speak words. I mean, some people have turned this scripture upside down. Let me tell you how they said it. They said that, oh, be careful what you say. There's an angel going about saying, amen, 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 amen. Have you heard that? <laughs> what kind of jobless angel is that? I don't think God has such useless stuff on his, on his HR. They are just the work of one angel to go and say, amen, 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 amen. That is a, that's an autistic angel. <laughs> ah, glory to God. But I mean, when, when people say things, try to ignore the drama around it and try to get what they are trying to say. What they are just trying to say is there's power in your words. And that sometimes you say things and they happen because you create a force that attracts that existence into your life. What are you saying to each other? Speaking life. Oh, we are believing God for big things. We are believing God for growth. I believe in God for more people, changed lives, more powerful testimonies. That's what we are believing God for. And I'm just talking to you. But God listened and he heard. Glory to God. The other two things that happen when the fire falls on you is that the fire makes you to go. Somebody say go. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. Very quickly, we're rounding up now. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Acts 19. Glory to God. It says, and God did unusual and extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs, towels, aprons, which had touched his skin, were carried away and put upon sick, upon the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. It says, let me jump to verse 14. It says, there were seven sons of a certain Jewish chief priest named Skiva, they were doing the same thing. It says, 
But one evil spirit retorted. That means he had worked with other evil spirits. One evil spirit retorted. Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? I'm sure the Bible just tried to put it well here. The Bible said, who the hell are you? But you know they won't put that in the Bible. He said, we know Jesus. We know Paul. Where are you from? Glory to God. Now, what, what exactly are we picking from this scripture? The fire on your inside will make you go. Did you, did, you, did you hear that? You will go. You can't just stay. You will go. You will go because you know that the master has sent you and he has empowered you. I asked God after the service last week. I said, now that I have done this to us, what next? An illustration that came to my mind is if a new street, I just like threw back to Nigeria. If a new street in, installs a new powerful transformer, and they keep telling you this transformer is powerful, it's powerful, it's powerful, it's powerful, it's powerful. Won't you get tired of hearing that it's powerful? What would you say? Put it on, let's see it. All right? So the fire that has come upon you now, God is saying, put it on. Put it on, put it to use. When someone calls you and says, oh, I have a headache, don't say Tylenol first. Can I pray with you? After praying with them, take care of yourself, please. If you need to take Tylenol, take it. If you need to see a doctor, see a doctor. But I believe that you are healed in Jesus' name. Did you hear that? We go. You are somewhere and, you, and God, oh, glory to God. There's no time. I, I read of two miracles over the last two weeks that happened in public places. Those people were on fire. A particular man of God was in a grocery store, grocery store. And there was this woman who had been demon-possessed for 19 years. 19 years doing her normal work in the grocery store. But he looked at her and the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the demon spirit. And he said, I rebuke you, evil spirit, in the name of Jesus. In a grocery store. The desire was not to create a scene or to trend on Twitter. No, it was a fire on the inside that couldn't... Are you guessing what we're saying here? The second one I heard, a particular man of God had traveled to Kenya to do a crusade or revival. And his wife went to get some things at the grocery store. A particular woman heard that she was going to that store... And she carried a child in her hand. Apparently, the child was dead. Found the wife of the man of God in the parking lot. And she threw the dead child to the woman. She thought it was a doll. What, how do you throw a living thing? Caught the child and said, this is a child. Before she took any history, oh, what happened? Oh, or before she went time to shake. The fire on her inside said, I speak life into this child in the name. She didn't want the mother. Who is this? Where is this from? Do you understand what we're talking about? The fire burns and makes you go immediately. I speak life to you in the name of Jesus. The child coughed and came back to life. Gave the child to the mother. The mother started screaming. Do you know why she was screaming? Do you know why she was screaming? It was later that they explained to the wife of the pastor. That child had been sickly from birth. And had a birth deformity that there were no eyeballs in the two sockets. Even though the child was alive. By the time the child came back to life, came with eyeballs in a parking lot. Are you getting this? So this, you, you can't just be going out like a normal human being and just strolling and check what this person just posted on that blog. Bloody waste of time. There's work to be done. Glory to God. And the last thing that happens here is you do. So number one was what? When the fire comes upon you, you speak. You go, and the third one is that what? You do. Let's end with the words of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 12. I think we should read this while standing. Please rise to your feet. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Glory to God. Have you been blessed this morning? John chapter 14, verse 12. Woo! See, the kind of testimonies God will be bringing in through you. Did you hear that? Through you. I mean, if it's pastor, a lot of you won't be shocked. You won't be shocked. Pastor is anointed. You know how many people have laid down, laid down on him. So you might be able to rationalize it. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do what? And I will do it. The fire on your inside causes you to do. It is my prayer that you will not resist the move of the Spirit. And even if you did, like Jeremiah said, he said, I couldn't stop it. It was like fire shot up in my bones. Glory to God. Why don't you raise your hands to heaven and begin to bless the name of the Lord for his word. His word has come to us powerfully. Say, Father, I believe your word. I know your word is true. I am a doer of this word. This word is my reality. The fire you have sparked on my inside, I fan it to flames. I now see that you have not given me the spirit of fear. You've not given me a spirit of cowardice. But you've given me dunamis. You've given me the spirit that loves unconditionally. And self-discipline. I am able to bring myself to strict training. And to commit to spiritual exercise. I speak words of life. I go to the places you've sent me. And I do the works that you have ordained me to do. With all glory to your name. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus name we have prayed.